today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. who claim the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, they understand they're trying to help us to to grow in the knowledge that we need to grow, we need to mature in our lives by adding or improving these characteristics within our lives. And here Peter tells us that we're to add them and they need to keep growing in our lives. And if they're in our lives and they are growing, then we're going to become fruitful for the kingdom of God. We need to become fruity Christians. Fruity Christians. There needs to be much fruit coming from our lives. A fruit tree that does not produce fruit is useless to a farmer. In the same way, Christians who do not produce fruit are not living up to the high calling they received in Christ Jesus. In today's message, Pastor David encourages us to be fruity Christians. In order to do this, we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us and add to the characteristics of Jesus in our hearts and minds. As we become more like Christ and reflect more of His character, we will naturally be fruit bearers. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, The Believer's Swan Song, from the book of 2 Peter. For if these things are yours and they abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter understood that it would, it would be a process in our lives, that these things, again, they're, they're not automatic. It is a process, but it's going to be a process that's worth the effort. When he says you need to diligently work at this, he understands that for each one of us, some things are going to come easier than others. And for you, some of these traits might come easier than they do to me. And for you, some of the traits will come easier than they are for some of the others. And Peter understood this. But in the context of what he's saying here in verse 8, that little word if, that if becomes what's called a conditional restraint, a conditional restraint. And what that means is that it becomes a condition, it becomes a requirement, it becomes a stipulation that's necessary before the following statements will ever become true in your life. So again, it's like that mathematical equation that all of these things come together if, and then here is the answer. And so for you and I, as we look at these things, if these things are yours and abound. So then the question that you and I, we need to ask ourselves. I don't need to ask you. You don't need to ask me. We need to ask ourselves these questions. Are these things mine, and do they abound in my life? Are these things yours, and do they 
abound. In other words, are they growing? Is, is, is it a growing aspect of who you are as a believer? And I know last week we talked about putting all seven of these virtues down as a little checklist and putting a, a zero to ten and see where we're at on each one. And again, I'm, I'm not so much speaking about that, but I am speaking about that. Do you look at these things and see where you're at in your Christian walk to, again, determine your maturity and, and your growth in the grace and the mercies of God in our lives. By the way, again, these things are not automatically ours. It's not like we got saved and the Lord says, hey, welcome to the kingdom of God. I know that you don't have much self-control within your life, so boom, here you go. Now you're fixed and now you're fine. I wish that was the case many times, at least in my life, and well, yeah, and some of yours too, okay? But it's not. It's not automatic. It's something that we need to look and say, you know what? This is an area that I'm short in my life. This is an area that that I'm lacking in my life. I need to diligently work at this portion of my life in order that my life might really and truly glorify the Lord. I can't just sit back and say, hey, you know what? I got five out of seven. That's a pretty good score. No, each one of these need to be added as a portion of our life. And have you noticed as we've looked through these, the closeness of the correlation of what's called the fruit of the Spirit that Paul gives us in the book of Galatians? You can keep your place there in Second Peter. Turn over to the book of Galatians chapter 5. You turn to your left uh, several books there. To Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul gives to us there this statement. He says, but the fruit of of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we were to compare these in a, in a column next to each other, the, the listing of the virtues that Paul gives us here, or that Peter gives us here in Second Peter and what Paul gives us in Galatians, we'd find a lot of similarities there. Peter says we need to add to our faith virtue, and we've talked about that virtue. What that virtue is, is again, moral excellence. Paul says we need to have goodness, that part of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness within our life. Peter says we need self-control. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Peter says that we need to add to our faith perseverance. Paul says part of the fruit of the Spirit is endurance in our lives. Very similar kind of a thing. Long-suffering is what Paul says in Galatians. Peter tells us in 2 Peter, we need to add brotherly kindness. Paul says in Galatians we need, that part of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. It's interesting, both of them say love. Peter says agape love needs to be added. Paul says agape love is also a fruit of the Spirit. But again, even Paul would agree that it's not something that's automatically in your life. It's something that we grow as believers. It's part of that maturing process that we have. All of this is a work of the Holy Spirit within our lives, but there still needs to be that diligent pursuit within our own lives. 
when Peter and Paul are trying to help us understand this, they've written these things. Again, we who claim the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, they understand they're trying to help us to, to grow in the knowledge that we need to grow, we need to mature in our lives by adding or improving these characteristics within our lives. And here, Peter tells us that we're to add them and they need to keep growing in our lives. And if they're in our lives and they are growing, then we're going to become fruitful for the kingdom of God. We need to become fruity Christians. Fruity Christians. There needs to be much fruit coming from our lives. Now, many of you know we've got this tangelo tree in our backyard. And if you don't know, there's been a bucket of tangelos out in the foyer for the last couple of weeks as we're trying to get rid of all of these tangelos. It has not always been as fruitful as it is this year. As a matter of fact, if you've been for us very long, I've used that tangelo tree as, uh, again, it's that cursed tree that's in my backyard. It's of not much use at all until suddenly I realized, you know what? It doesn't do it just on its own. I've got to, again, work with it. I've got to give it the right things. I've got to give it enough water. I've got to give it enough nutrients. And we've had enough sunshine. And so this year, we've got a bumper crop of fruit on it. And it's great to be able to share that and bless others with it. It's much more than we could have, we could ever use within our own family. And isn't that the reality of the fruit of the Spirit within our lives? It's not just for us. It's to be able to allow us to be able to bless others in and through the fruitfulness of our own lives. And that's why we need to diligently seek after these attributes in our lives, that we as Christians might become effective, that we might become productive in the things of God within our lives. All of these characteristics growing in increasing ways. But on the flip side, the same sentence Peter is also speaking about the fact of what happens if we don't have these things added to or growing to our faith. What happens when the if is not there? When we don't possess these characteristics, when, we, when we're not progressing within our lives. That's when we become ineffective. That's when we become unproductive. That's when we become barren. We become unfruitful as believers. We remain in a state of Immaturity. It's, it's, it's a situation of being, again, just, just a child or a baby in Christ because we're not growing in Christ. This is the very thing that the Apostle Paul speaks to the church in Corinth, the church of Corinth, a big church, a very busy church. And yet Paul writes to them because of the continual problems that was in that fellowship. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, he says, but I, brothers... I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul coming in, or anyone coming into our fellowship, coming and speaking on a morning just as this morning says, you know what, I would like to share with you guys some of the deep things of the Word of God, but I've been hanging around. I've, I've been listening to your conversations. I've been watching you, you, how you interact with each other. I, I've seen what's going on within your families. I've seen what's going on within your lives. You know what? I, I, I can't come to you with any of the deep things of the word of God. I've got to feed you again just like babies. 
some of us would probably get a little riled by that. Well, what do you mean? I'm not. I'm not. Paul understood that that's where Corinth was exactly. He goes on to speak to them. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready, for you're still in the flesh. For while there's still jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? But it wasn't just the church of Corinth. You see, the writer of Hebrews writes to the church at large, and there in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, he writes again these very direct, almost cutting declaration, cuts right to the very heart of the matter. There in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, he says, for though by now you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the very basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. He's talking to men and women who have been believers for years. The church of Corinth had been together for a number of years by the time Paul wrote to them. As the writer of Hebrews, whoever you may perceive that to be, as he writes to the church, the church had been in existence for a number of years. He says, you're, you're not growing, you're not maturing. There ought to be a maturity in your life. There ought to be a point in time where the things that have been poured into you week after week after week is now to that point where now you are a teacher of the word. And you're able to take the knowledge that you have and you're able to give that to others. Not just children in a Sunday school class, but even to other adults to be able to share the reality and the truth of what God has done within your life. Along with our tangelo tree, we also have grapevines. We've got three grapevines. The other thing I know about the grapevines is they usually do not produce very well until they're about three years old. It takes about three years for them to get established, for them to get grounded, to really build up the strength and, and, and all that they need to really produce good fruit on those branches and those vines. And again, I, I think about the message of Jesus to the disciples there in John 15 about abiding in the vine and about that ability to be able to bear much fruit. Why? Because we're connected in the way that we ought to be connected. We're living, we're, we're gaining strength and, and nourishment because we're well connected to the vine who is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So back here in Second Peter, the first thing that Peter warns us is that our Christian lives, without these characteristics, without these traits, they're going to be barren. They're going to be unfruitful. And then in verse 9, he goes on to say, for he who lacks these things, not only are you barren and unfruitful, he says, but you're also short-sighted, even to blindness. And you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. It's an interesting use of words here that the Holy Spirit gave to Peter as he wrote them down. And yes, I believe that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write the very words that he wrote down. Because the words have meaning and they have purpose. It's not just the idea. 
The word that he uses there, depending upon your translation of the Bible, your version might say that they are short-sighted or they can't see far off or they're nearsighted. It's the translation of a Greek word that simply means to close your eyes in order to see. To close your eyes in order to see. And some of you have that problem, even as I look around this morning. Because, again, if I were to take my glasses off, I would squint to be able to see. You're closing my eyes to see. That's the Greek word there. It's where we get our English word myopia for nearsightedness. And we need corrective lenses to be able to take care of that. We might be able to see clearly up close, but the things in the distance, we can't see. They're out of focus. It's that idea again, in a spiritual condition, that you're unable to discern anything in a distance, whether it be from the past or in the future, because in essence, you're consumed by the presence. Your focus is directly on the very close things, the present things. So because of that, we become blind to the point of not being able to discern the consequences of our past actions or the hopes and the promises of what's before us in the future. Those who suffer from that spiritual myopia, they live only in the present. They, only, they, they live only in the day, only in the hour, or maybe even just the very moment. And, and like a babe, they're consumed with their own desires. They're consumed with their own comfort. Peter tells them also that this one condition, because of that, they've forgotten even that they were cleansed from their old sins. And again, the tense of that word in the Greek, on that has forgotten, it has the idea of they have received forgetfulness. You've received forgetfulness. Since they didn't diligently seek after these other traits within their lives for their Christian character, those things that they should have sought after, instead of receiving that that they should have sought after, they received forgetfulness. And beloved, that's, that's an attitude of heart. That's an attitude of a mind. And, and so they live and so they act out in their lives as if they're still a part of this present world and present system. See, I'm not growing in Christ and not adding to my life all of these things. And because I'm consumed with myself, because I'm consumed with the present, suddenly the things of this world become more attractive and we're drawn into these things rather than adding to our life these characteristics, these traits of a Christian man, of a Christian woman or a young person that will help me get beyond myself to be able to have the focus, to be able to have the vision that goes forward to see the promises and the hopes of Christ in my life and to be able to look backward and remember, you know what, that's the way that I used to be. I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to move forward into the presence, into the promise, into the hope that is mine in Christ. But rather than that, they stay consumed with the present things because that's all that they can see. Beloved, that's, that's, that's a dreadfully woeful situation for a believer to be in. At that point in time, they don't take responsibility for their own lives. They don't take responsibility for the choices that they make. 
because they have no strength and they have absolutely no victory. And they live their entire Christian lives barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You might ask, well, can that person even be a Christian? That's a question they need to ask themselves. That's a question they need to be certain of before God. Because there's no assurance in that kind of a life that you are a believer. I'm not saying that these things cause you to be a non-believer, and we'll look at that in a moment. But again, there's no assurance. Once again, that's why Peter says in verse 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter understands that someone living barren or unfruitful as a believer has absolutely no surety of their salvation. Don't come to me if if your life is barren and, and there's no fruit in your life as a believer and say, yes, but pastor, can't I be certain that I'm saved? Because 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, I prayed this prayer. I filled out this card. I walked this aisle. I can't give you that assurance because many people walk an aisle, pray a prayer, sign a card. There's absolutely no change of life. There's nothing of Christ that's really living in them. What Peter is saying, the assurity that we have of our call and of our election is that our lives are growing in Christ, that the, the, these things are happening. And, and I'm not saying we become perfect, and I'm not saying that there's, there's not seasons of time within our life that we even move away from these things. Some of you that know my own personal testimony, I'd been saved for a number of years. I'd been in ministry for a number of years. Then I walked away from the Lord about three and a half years. If you'd have saw me on the streets, if you'd have talked to me for very long, you, you, you'd have absolutely no idea that I was a believer. Why? Because my life was absolutely barren, totally unfruitful. And these things of the Spirit weren't alive. They weren't living in my life. Was I still born again? Yeah, I believe that I was. I believe absolutely. So my question for you, Do you know that you know that you're truly saved? That you're truly born again? That you are truly headed for heaven? What's your assurance of that? Is your assurance an act that took place 20 years ago? Or even 20 days ago? Or is your assurance the reality that the Spirit of God is working and moving within your life? What's your criteria for having the right answer within your life? If it's anything less or other than the reality of spiritual fruitfulness within your life, as Peter says, if these things are yours and they abound, if that's not your assurance, then possibly you've been led astray. Possibly you're far from the truth of God's word. And again, I I feel I need to reiterate the, the fact that it's 
We're not doing these things in order to gain salvation. Don't get the cart before the proverbial horse. These things come because we are saved. But they're also the litmus test, I believe, to see if we truly are saved. To know whether or not God really lives within our lives. Or whether the Holy Spirit actually has presence within our lives and residence within our lives. That's why we need to diligently seek these things. We need to be diligent about these things. Because the reality of our life in Christ, folks, I believe depends upon it. The life we're called to live as followers of Christ is not a simple one, and the Apostle Peter makes it clear through his second letter that it's a path that's easy to miss. So how do we stay connected to our Savior and walk out the steps He has planned? One way is to immerse ourselves in a community of faith. When we spend time with other believers, we can remind each other of the truth of God's great power, just like Peter reminded the early church. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If not, Pastor David has a personal invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and it's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. Is there some way we could be praying for you as you journey along your path with Jesus? Let us know by calling 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We love to be able to speak with our listeners, lift them up in prayer, and answer the questions they have. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor David's study in 2 Peter today. Join us next time to continue the series right here on The Open Word.